When I was in college, I knew this guy. We weren't really like friends. We weren't like close friends. Um, I, th- I don't even really remember his name. I think it was Ethan. So we're going to go with Ethan. Is that what I said last night? Ethan. We'll go with Ethan again. Ethan had this daily routine where he would wake up very early, like 4 o'clock in the morning, and he would go on a run. Really, really long run. And not just like a couple miles, but the dude would run like 10 miles. Really long. And then he would go back to his dorm, and he would take a shower, and he would get ready for class. He'd go to his classes, and he'd be in there all day. He would go home, and he would do all of his homework, and then it's like close to the evening time. And then he would go to the gym. So he'd already run a bunch, and then he would go to the gym, and he would work out. And this workout that he would do, it's not just like a quick little 30-minute workout, like jogging and then walking. Like he he would go after it. Like, at the end of his workouts, I mean, he'd be in there for, like, two or three hours. And he'd be just, like, passed out on the ground. Like, he, he was really working hard. And then he would go home, and he would eat dinner, and he would feel himself getting sleepy. So he would force himself to stay awake by running more. So he would go outside, and he would run, and run, and run some more. I don't even know how many miles the dude would run in a day. Then he would get back to his house, And he would make himself stay awake until 1 or 2 in the morning. And he would go to bed. And he would wake up again the next morning at like 4 o'clock. So that's like 2 hours, 3 hours of sleep. And he would do the same thing over and over and over again. And people started to think that he was insane. And his roommates, uh, they one day were like, dude, Ethan, what's going on, man? Why are you doing this? Like, what is the point? Like, you're going to hurt yourself. What's up? And he's like, guys, I'm doing this because I have a goal. I have a goal that I'm trying to reach. And they're like, well, what's the goal? He said, after college, I'm going to go off to the police academy, and I want to make it through so that I can be a police officer. They were like, well, okay. Like, I guess that makes sense. You're, You're working really hard. Like, I think you'll be fine. I don't think police academy is as hard as what you're doing. You should be fine. Crazy. Dude was crazy point is, in life, there are goals. In life, you set goals to achieve goals, to to get better, to do something, to get somewhere. And if you think about it really hard, you'll find that you really won't participate in anything without having a goal in mind. All right, so let's start really basic. Like, you've probably never thought about it this way before, but let's start really basic. When you watch TV or when you like play video games or, I don't know, look at social media, why do you do that? Like, what's the goal? Because you're going to get entertained. Because you're looking to be entertained by something. You're like, oh, I, I want to watch it. It would be fun to watch this movie. It, it would be fun to look at social media. It will be fun to watch TV. I just, I just want to relax. I want to get entertained. So that's the goal. And you do something to accomplish that goal. Now let's get a little bit more serious. Why do you go to school? You're forced to, but what's the purpose behind it? To learn. to learn. You go to school to learn because you want to learn as much as you can so that it'll set you up for success so that you can get accepted and go to college and then learn more there. And if you don't go to college so you can learn and have the basic skills you need to start working, right? That's the goal. The goal is to learn, to grow. Who plays sports? Sports. 
Play sports. Why? What's the goal? Exercise. To get better. I want to hear from one lady over here. Why do you, if you play sports, why do you play sports? To have fun? To get better at them? You want to get better? Right. You guys do things with a goal in mind. You want to get better at something. You set a goal. All of these things. I could go on and on and on and on, but the point is, in life, when it comes to what you're involved in, there's a goal for you to reach. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 and find verse 13. Peter's going to talk about this goal that God gives Christians to achieve. This is not a goal. If you, if you profess to be a Christian, if you say that you're a Christian, this is not a goal that you can opt out of. God, in his word, has said this should be something that all Christians are trying to achieve, that you are trying to work towards, that you are trying to accomplish this goal. And, and when you think about the goal that we're going to talk about, you need to put a lot of effort into achieving this goal. Think about how much effort Ethan was putting into his goal of, you know, getting through police academy. Right? I think we can all agree that he was going a little overboard in that. But you need to be putting a lot of effort into achieving this goal that God has given Christians to achieve. You need to understand that God has given you a part to play. And a lot of Christians don't understand this. A lot of people who profess faith in Jesus don't understand that now you have something that God is requiring and asking you to do, commanding you to do. We can't think that, oh, just because I got saved and I put my trust in Jesus, now I can sit back and relax and not do anything. You put your trust in Jesus, now you have a goal that you're trying to work after that God says you need to do. You don't work for your salvation, you understand? Salvation is not a goal, it's a gift. And that's what we've talked about. The first 12 verses in the book of 1 Peter was all about the gift that God has given you because you trusted in Jesus, the gift of salvation. So that's not the goal that you're working towards. The goal that you are working towards now as a Christian is to be more like Jesus. We're starting this new series in 1 Peter. It's called Set Apart. That's what holiness means, to be set apart. And today's sermon is called, Called to Holiness. Keep your hands to yourself. Called to Holiness. So the goal here is you are called to be obedient, to be more like Jesus. God's word says that your goal as a Christian is to become more like Jesus. Jesus every day. First Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 13 says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now maybe you didn't notice this, but what Peter just did, he, he gave the first command of this entire letter. The first 12 verses, he didn't give us a single command. He was just talking about how wonderful and how awesome your salvation in Jesus is. And then in verse 13, he says the word, therefore. 
And when you read the word, therefore, in the Bible, you need to ask a question. Does anybody remember what the question is? What is it there for? Exactly. When you see that word, therefore, you have to ask, okay, what is that word there for? And in order to figure that out, in order to to answer that question, what do you have to do? Does anybody remember? You have to look back. You have to look at what came before. So Peter is connecting this command with everything else that he's already said in the letter. He says, in light of all of this, everything that I've talked about, in light, keeping in mind the great salvation that you have through Jesus Christ, now you need to do this. As in thinking about the salvation that God has given you, it should motivate you to do these things. Therefore, you need to do these things. Point number one, write it down this way. Get ready for obedience. I want you to get ready for obedience. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Now, what this really means is something like this. In the original language, it means to gird up your loins. But if I told you today, hey, point number one, write this down, gird up your loins, you'd be like, what in the world does that mean, right? Girding up your hair. Here's what that meant to the audience, the, the Christians back then when Peter wrote this. People wore robes. They just wore long robes all the time, everywhere they went. And before they went to work, before they had to do something physically demanding, they had to roll up the robes so that it wasn't hindering their legs. They had to run, they had to like roll up the robe, and they had to tie it off like, they, like shorts, something like that. Does that make sense? Because if they're going to be in the field, working in the field, or something like that, they can't be wearing a long robe and get in the way. You can't run with this long robe on. You can't do that. So when he says, gird up your loins, it, it means something like rolling up your sleeves. You guys ever had long sleeves on, and then you went to go do something physical, like, I don't know, play a sport, or pick up something, or move, so I don't know, and you're like, oh, and you first just do this right here? You roll up. Why do you do that? You got you to get ready. You don't want your sleeves to be in the way. It, it might be a little bit hot. You'd, it'd be a distraction. So you pull up your sleeves, and then you get to work. So what Peter is saying is, Christians... You need to roll up your sleeves. You need to get ready to obey. You need to prepare your minds for action. And the action that he's talking about is to obey God. As you go through your days, you need to be ready to obey God's commands all the time. Let's think about what are some things that God commands. Well, here's one, the first one. God commands that you would share the gospel. He commands that you would, if you are a Christian, that you would be telling other people about the good news of Jesus. So that means that when you run into someone or when you sit next to someone in school who's not a Christian, you need to be prepared. You need to be ready to share the gospel with that person. Your sleeves need to be rolled up. You need to be ready to engage in that conversation so that you can be obedient to Jesus. Maybe there's someone in your life that it's hard for you to get along with right now. Maybe you're just really being impatient with someone and you're not loving someone well. You need to think about that. You need to prepare yourself to love that person. You need to roll up your sleeves. You need to think about, okay, I need to love this person well because this is what Jesus commands of me. So I'm going I'm to do this. You have to get ready to do these things. Okay, well, how? How can you make sure that you are ready to obey God's commands? Peter talks about it next. He says, being sober-minded. Being sober-minded. So when we hear that word sober, okay, the first thing that we probably think about is that when you're sober, it means that you are not drunk from alcohol or you are not high from drugs. 
Those are the very first things that probably come into minds, our minds now when we think about the word sober. But it doesn't just mean that. All right? so, so first of all, of course, you should not be drunk on alcohol and you should not be high on drugs. Sin. It's, very, it's sinful. Very clear in God's word. You should not do that. So that's the first two things. Okay, but We're going to take this a little bit deeper. Being sober-minded means that you need to always be able to think clearly and make good and godly decisions. No matter what is going on, every day of your life, if you're going to be sober-minded, it means you are ready, you are prepared to make a good and godly decision, that your mind is not distracted by anything. So the opposite of being sober-minded is to be careless, is to be impulsive, is to not take things seriously. So when you are sober-minded, you can make good decisions. When you're sober-minded, you are less likely to be led in the wrong direction. So you need to avoid anything or anyone that will cause your mind to be distracted from making a good and godly decision. You need to avoid anything that will make you lazy, that will make you complacent, that will make you just not caring about obeying God and his word. Anything that would make you lazy. You need to avoid anything or anyone that would uh, lead you into not having self-control. Being sober-minded and having self-control, I think, are pretty similar. You need to be able to control yourself. Whenever you want to sin, when you want to do something wrong, the Bible says you, you have to control yourself to not do the thing that is dishonoring to God. You need to be sober-minded in that way. I want you to think about this, though. What, what are some things that you can be involved in, that you can be engaged in, that will cause you to be distracted, that will distract your mind from obedience to God's word. Here's one. Friends. What do you think about who your friends are? Who are the people that you're hanging out with? Are these people causing you to be distracted from obeying God's word? Are they causing you to go down a path of sin? When you hang out with your friends, are you more likely to do something that's God-honoring, or are you more likely to do something that God hates? The people that you hang out with can cause you to be distracted. They can cause you to be led down the wrong path. After you are done hanging out with your friends and you go home, are you more likely to do something that's obedient to God or disobedient to God? What kind of an influence are your friends having on you? Are your friends causing you to be sober-minded and self-controlled? Are they leading you to be more like Jesus, or are they taking you further away? You know that your cell phone or your TV or whatever device you have can cause you, can keep you from being sober-minded? Let's just say that you had whatever device that you wanted, whether it's a phone or... Nintendo Switch or a TV with Netflix on it. I don't know. And let's say your parents gave it to you and they did not limit the time that you had on it. How much time could you spend just staring at that screen day after day after day? You probably could spend a ton of time, right? Well, whenever you get into that, right, if, if, that's, if that's you, if you are engaged in something like a phone or social media or something like that for hours and hours on end, you're being distracted. You are not being sober-minded, that is, it's wrong. Especially when you think about what are the things that you're looking at? What kinds of things are you watching? What kinds of things are you engaged in? 
Is it causing you to be distracted from obeying God? Or is it leading you in a better direction? Think about all the things that you're engaged in, the sports that you play. Part of my story is that sports in my life kept me from being sober-minded. When I was in high school, my goal, the highest goal I had was to play college football. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do with my life. So uh, it became my idol. I was, I, was, I was idolizing football. I would go to the gym for two, three hours a day after school. I would try to hit my calorie count every day. I would try to drink all these protein shakes and practice and practice and watch film. I would spend so much time. And as I was spending so much time at football, my grades weren't as good as they should have been. My life just didn't really look that pleasing to God. I was arguing with my siblings all the time. I wasn't being honoring to my parents. I wasn't sharing the gospel with my friends at school who needed to hear the gospel because my mind was distracted by football. Maybe it's a sport for you. Maybe it's worldly possessions or a hobby. Maybe, I'll say it again, maybe it's your friends. I don't know what it is for you, but you're probably thinking of something. You're thinking of what it is that's keeping you from being sober-minded and self-controlled and following after Jesus the way that you should. Before you know it, things like this can lead you straight to sin. They can lead you to sin. That's why Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, to set your minds on things above, not of the earth. You need to be focused on things of God, focused on godly things, focused on his word, focused on prayer, rather than things of this world. Do not value anything worldly or earthly more than you value God and godly things. God's word, God's church. You need to value God over the world. And then Peter says another way that you can make sure that you're ready to obey is to set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We spent a lot of time talking about our living hope, the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope of eternity. He says, set your hope there. If you're a Christian, everything that you're hoping in, it should be Jesus. It should be eternal life. It should be the amazing gift of salvation that God has provided to you. You should not have your hope set on people, not your friends, not your parents, not your pastors. It shouldn't be set in your grades. It shouldn't be set in success with sports or school, anything like that. Your hope should be in Christ. It should be in the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what are you hoping in? What, what makes you feel hopeful? If it's anything except for Jesus, you're going to be let down by it one day. Your friends will let you down. Your parents will let you down eventually. Jesus will never, ever let you down. And the promise that you have, the hope that you have of eternity with him as a Christian, it'll never go away. You'll never lose it if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. That's where you need to hope at. So if you are staying sober-minded, and if you are setting your hope on Jesus, then you will be ready to obey God. You have to be preparing your mind for action. You have to get ready for obedience. So Peter's given us these few things to do, and he continues on. He says, as obedient children, obedient, right? You have to be obedient. Get ready to obey. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Here's point number two. 
Don't be like the world. Don't be like the world. See, as a Christian, you are a child of God. And as a child of God, you're called to be obedient. You're called to conform your life after the life of Jesus. And that word conform, it means pattern. To pattern your life after Jesus, after what he has done. So you do not pattern your life after the world, you pattern after Jesus. Romans 12.2, that also commands Christians to not be conformed to the world. So obedience to God is different from being conformed to the world. They're, they're opposites. And, and Peter says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And here's what that means. Before you put your trust in Jesus, you were living in ignorance. Before you put your trust in Jesus, you were passionate about sinful things. Sinful things consumed your thoughts, consumed your actions, consumed your life before you put your trust in Jesus. And now what should happen after you put your trust in Jesus, although you will keep sinning, your passions should not be sinful things. You should be passionate about God and godly things. So he's saying, hey, do not go back. Because if you go back, if you stay passionate about those things, that's the world. That's the world without Jesus. I want you to listen to this list that God gives us in the Bible of worldly things. This is what the world pattern looks like. People who don't believe in Jesus, this is what their world looks like. It says, uh, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. All of those things, Christians, we have to stand together and call it out as sin because God hates it. It is sin. So if you're patterning your life after any of these things, then you are conforming to the world. And you should not be conforming to the world. So you cannot go back to what you were before you became a Christian. You cannot go back to the things that you were passionate about before. When I was growing up, I had a friend, and when we got to be in high school, he unfortunately started to gain a lot of weight. And he just kept gaining weight and gaining weight and gaining weight, and it was very unhealthy, and it got to the point to where my, my friends and my coaches were very concerned about him. And so uh, we talked to him one day, and we said, listen, man, like, we love you, and we're telling you this because we care for you, but if you don't start to live healthier, if you don't start to make better decisions, we're concerned that you're going to die. Because that's the road that you're on right now. Your heart's not healthy. Your lungs are not, it's, it's not healthy. And if you stay this way, you're not going to live very much longer. And so he's like, guys, you're right. The problem is I just can't, I don't, I don't know how to stop. I need help. So praise God that set him on this journey a couple years and he lost like 200 plus pounds and he got really healthy and it was great and he lived that way for a couple more years but then again unfortunately he went back right his addiction to food all, all of these things they came back he turned back into his former ignorance you understand and so after about a year or two more he gained all the weight back and he was unhealthy again so Peter, he's saying, do not go back to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, I have good news about my friend. He's healthy, again, once, you know, once again today. That's great. Um, but Peter is saying, you cannot go back. 
You cannot set your passions and your desires onto things that God hates because that was you before you put your trust in Jesus. So don't go back to that. You cannot be like the world. Truth is, look, you're going to struggle with sin. That's part of being human. You're going to struggle with sin. But when you are tempted, you have to understand that you don't have to give in. You do not have to. This is what the Bible says. If you're a Christian, you don't have to do it. You never have to do it. There's never ever a time where you are faced with temptation and you have to fall into it. God has always provided a way out. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that you have the the ability to find the way out of your temptation. You need to be fighting back against sin. You do not, just do not be like the world. Do not conform to the world. So look, verse 14 is all about what not to do. Do not be conformed to the world. And, and as, as I was reading that list from Galatians, or maybe you're just feeling convicted about something right now, about your life that looks very worldly. Maybe you profess to be a Christian, but your life is not being patterned after the life of Christ. Maybe your life looks more like a pattern of the sins that we just talked about from Galatians. If that's the case, if that's what your life looks like, if you're consumed by following these sinful desires and sinful passions, you need to repent of your sin. You need to repent of your sin. If you're not a Christian, if you've never trusted in Jesus, then you need to do that. But we've spent these four weeks in a row talking about salvation. The only way to be saved is to put your trust in Jesus. If you don't do that, then God will punish you in his justice, and you will spend eternity separated from him in hell. There's only one way to heaven, is to put your trust in him. And if you are a Christian, if you do profess to be a Christian, but your life has started to look more like the world than Jesus, then you need to repent as well. You need to repent from your sin. You need to confess it. You need to say, God, I'm sorry that my life has looked like the world. Please forgive me, God. Please help me to live the way you want me to live. You need to pray, God, help me to be more like Jesus. That's point number three. Write that down. Number, number three, be like Jesus. That's what Peter is getting at. You're called to be holy. You're called to holiness. You're called to live your life the way that Jesus lived his life. You're called to be holy. So God has called you. God is holy. He is set apart. He's worthy of respect. He is set apart from evil, from wickedness. He's perfect. He's the most holy one. And God says you should be holy in all your conduct. That word conduct... That means your behavior. Your conduct is how you behave. The things that you do, the things that you say, the things that you think, the things that you're involved in. Are you being like Jesus in every aspect of your life? That's what Peter is saying. If you are a Christian, your goal should be to be like Jesus with your whole life. In all your conduct, and everything that you do, and everything that you say, and everything that you think, it has to be honoring to God. It has to be pleasing to Him. That is the goal. To be, you are called, you are commanded to honor God with your life. You need to be like Jesus in all your conduct. This kind of holiness, this kind of holy living is so much more and so much deeper than what a lot of people who profess to be Christians think it is. A lot of people, like I said earlier, will say, oh, I prayed a prayer, I put my trust in Jesus, I go to church, I'm nice to people, I read my Bible a couple times a week, I'm good, that's all God wants from me. 
Think about what his word said right here. Be holy in all your conduct. Oh, yeah, you may be kind to a few people, but how are you treating everyone else? Like, just think about your whole life. Think about everything you do throughout your day. Think about what you do in your room when the door is shut. Think about what you and your friends do when no parents are around. Think about all these things. Or the things that you're doing, is your conduct pleasing to God? Or is it not? You know the answer. <laughs> like, look, we can all be real with each other. You know the answer to that question. It's yes or no, and you're thinking about an answer right now. If the answer is yes, then praise God. If the answer is no, you need to repent. You need to stop. You need to stop being like the world. You need to confess your sin to God. You need to be like Jesus. You're called to holiness. So please, please resist the temptation that we have so often to come to church, to hear a quick sermon, and then to be like, okay, good, I did my part this week. Great, I heard a sermon, I'm going to go home now. I want you to think about the words that Peter has. Think about the words that, that God, in his word, has, has given to you. Think about it. Think deeply about it. Think about your life. How are you living? If you profess to be a Christian, how are you living? And if you are not a Christian, if you don't profess it, if you know you're not saved, I want you to figure it out. If you have questions about the gospel, I know I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. If you have questions, there's things that you don't understand. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't even believe if this is real or not. I want you to figure it out. I want you to come talk to me, talk to me, talk to somebody. There's nothing more important than this. You understand? There's nothing more important than this, than the gospel, than you putting your trust in Jesus. So I want you to take a minute and think about your life. Think about your relationship with sin. Do you hate sin? Do you hate your sin? Or do you tolerate it? Do you know that you're living in a pattern of sin, but you don't care? If that's the case, the Bible says that you're in a dangerous position. You understand? The Bible says it's very dangerous to profess to be a Christian, but to keep living in sin, and you know it, to, to live in habitual patterns of sin. A Christian won't do that. So I want you to think about this. Are you preparing yourself to obey? Are you being sober-minded? Are you being self-controlled? Do you have negative influences in your life that are dragging you down, that are keeping you from being obedient to Jesus? How are you living? Are you living like the world? Or are you pursuing holiness? Are you pursuing a life that's more obedient to Jesus? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words that you have given us this morning to, to study. God, I pray that we would all understand what it is that you are commanding. You're commanding us to be holy. You're commanding us to be like you. God, I pray that everyone in this room this morning would put their trust in you. God, help us to be people that are not conformed to the world, but we're people that are like you, that are pleasing to you. So help us to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.